Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Lodges Podcast. This is episode 26 with Tom Newton, who is the director of operations at eFuse. I'm sure many of you guys have already heard about eFuse or are on the platform and are excited about it. If you haven't heard about eFuse, you guys will definitely hear about it in this episode. But I had a lot of fun talking with Tom about the origin story and how it got started and what the mission behind the platform is to bring everybody in gaming and esports together. So it was really cool to chat with him about that. We also talk about the inaugural Call of Duty League season. We had this conversation prior to them traveling to Minnesota um, this past weekend. So we just kind of do some overarching analysis of what to expect from the league and and kind of what some of our predictions are or, or what are some of the things that we're looking forward to. And then we close out the podcast talking about an interesting topic um, about how influential streamers and professional esports players that maybe are our favorites, how we can maybe begin to see mini movies um, created for them like you see similar in traditional sports where maybe your favorite pro athlete is featured in ESPN um, mini movie and you can really just connect with them on a more personable level. So we really talk about that, which was an interesting conversation. So... Overall, had a great time with Tom. I'm hoping that you guys are looking forward to this and will enjoy it. And with that being said, this is The Lodges Podcast up next. Welcome back to another episode of The Lodges Podcast. This is a podcast where we host and interview streamers pro esports players, and business professionals in the gaming and esports industry. I'm your host, Juan Rodriguez. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and checking out this episode. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you. We hope you enjoy it just as much as our regular listeners. And if you are a returning listener or a subscriber to the podcast, thank you guys so much for continuing to join every week and see all the new guests that we are bringing on This is episode 26, and with us today we have Tom Newton, who is the Director of Operations at eFuse. Tom, thanks again for coming on, man. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me, Juan. Super, super pumped to hop into all the different stuff we're going to talk about. Um, For anyone listening, kind of a quick overview, we're going to hop into eFuse today. Um, We're going to hop into the Call of Duty League, and then have a little bit of chat at the end about, you know, streamers and and influential pro players and, and you know how we're trying to highlight the scene more around them um but tom I, I think a great place to always start is if you just want to give us your background story uh let us know where you're from where you grew up and kind of your path up until efuse i think that'd be awesome to hear yeah absolutely um so kind of my gamer story i guess started when i was super young my earliest memories are playing goldeneye with my dad um duck hunt uh, then kind of grew on and, and got really into first-person shooter games, uh, primarily Rainbow Six Vegas 2. And we were kind of, I don't know if many people remember when uh, game battles and MLG were big online, um, but we were kind of a top 30, top 20 game battles team fairly consistently. So we'd scrim with a lot of the top pros. Um, so I've got a little bit of competitive experience, but after that game died, moved on to Call of Duty and and. Gaming kind of, um, you know, fell by the wayside as I pursued cross country and track in high school. And then I was pursuing a career in the Army, actually, when I was um, in college. So I was an ROTC, transferred to West Point, uh, ended up having to move home just due to some family health issues. Uh, but once I got home, started up here at Ohio State University here in Columbus, Ohio. 
and got my undergraduate in philosophy and then quickly transitioned into their MBA program. So their master's of business administration and then graduated in the spring of 2019 from that. Um, during that MBA program, I had an internship with, uh, a, an entrepreneur program. Uh, so it was a social enterprise accelerator and we were really focused on committing, um, resources to ideas that were, uh, had some sort of social impact. But through that, I met a bunch of people in the entrepreneurship space here in Columbus and tech and insurance and, uh, med tech. And just through those connections, I eventually got introduced to Matthew Benson, our CEO here at eFuse. And after a few conversations, a trial, a trial period of employment, um, came on full time with eFuse in August of 2019. That's awesome. No, that's really cool. And so how is it? Because I know you kind of bounced around in college. I know you mentioned you came home from yeah. some family issues. You went to West Point, correct? That's what you just said? Yeah, I did. Yeah, for, I was there for two years. That's awesome. And how was West Point? Because I've only heard that, <laughs> that it's challenging, but an amazing experience. Yeah, man, it was great. I mean, it was so cool. I So I, I'd wanted to go to West Point since sophomore year of high school. So okay. it was a dream that was kind of seven years in the making. And so when I finally got in, um, it was just an amazing blessing, just such a cool opportunity to, um, you know, experience it's even a lot of the history of our country, right? I mean, West mm. Point is deep, deep in the history of building the leaders of, of the United States and obviously the army. Um, but it was tough. I mean, it was yeah. a lot of really early mornings, a lot of training, um, really, really high level academics. So no one was really under 18 credit hours a semester. Um, and I routinely took around 20. So it was definitely a rigorous environment, but I met some of the most amazing people uh, at the academy and really, really treasure my time that I had there. Yeah, no, that's awesome to hear about. I mean, I can only imagine the experience and how that's got to now prep you just for the rest of your life. Um, that, that's really awesome. Yeah. Um, and then Ohio State, a, another awesome school. You had, you had the MBA program there. How was, how was your time at Ohio State? It was great. Uh, definitely didn't think that I would be majoring in philosophy. I, I really wanted to do a business route, a business major, but because of the way that my transfer credits worked out, I ended up um, being able to spend less time majoring in philosophy. And philosophy is really good in that it gives you just this awesome background for critical and logical thinking. So mm -hmm. it wasn't as weird a transition as some people might think from philosophy into business. Um, and so the MBA program was great, two years. Um, met some great people there, obviously made some amazing connections through the internships that I had, uh, yeah. took a trip out to Silicon Valley, uh, for about a week and met with a bunch of people out there. Um, got a sense for what entrepreneurship was like out in the Valley, which was really cool too. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, not, not much of a better place to go to learn about all that. So no, man, it, I mean, it's a birthplace really in a lot of ways. Right. Right. Um, well, and then you get the opportunity and, and you go to eFuse and I think a lot of people tuning in will have an idea of eFuse, but there might be a few that don't. Um, but we're going to chat about it because I think you guys are obviously still very young and it's still a lot of exciting things surrounding it. So I, I kind of just want to start at the beginning. You know, I know um, you weren't there maybe for the founding and day one, but you were still you came on very early. And so, you know, what was that like? What was the environment like when you came in? What were some of the things the company was focusing on? And, you know, how was your transition from Ohio State into eFuse? 
Yeah. So um, I'll just kind of start with the idea that um, founded EFU. So Matt Benson did this huge report on the industry of esports and gaming in in college, and it was around 150 pages. So he oh, see, wow. he, he saw a lot of these opportunities in the market um, to create businesses and to fill needs that weren't being met. Eventually, he landed on this idea that the esports, especially, is incredibly fragmented. Right. Um, there's just people doing all sorts of things all over the place. It's hard to stay up to date with what's going on because things happen so fast. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted to create a location where everyone could have total visibility and transparency to all the opportunities in the industry. Um, so that, you know, if I'm a college kid wanting to get in, if I'm high school or wanting to pursue gaming in college, I know what the best routes to do that are. And I know those routes because of eFuse. And so that's still core to our platform is this opportunities portal where you can go and get scholarships, jobs. Uh, soon we'll have tournaments, team openings, things like that. Um, and so that's that was the center. And then it evolved into something where it was more of just more than just a place where you could go and find opportunity, but a place where you could connect with other like minded individuals, whether that's other students, professionals, creators. We wanted to be a location where people could come and and get everything they needed from the industry in one place. Um, and so because of that, we developed a social feed, uh, which we call the lounge. And then we've recently rolled out our messenger system as well. So you can actually connect now one to one. So, yeah, that's that's kind of where we are now. We've got the discover and the portfolio piece where you can build out your uh, your gamer resume. So you can connect a lot of these accounts from different games. We're continuously rolling out new games. So next up is going to be Rocket League um, shortly after that. Um, well, I can't actually say what's after Rocket League, but we'll, <laughs> it'll be really quick, right? So every couple of weeks, we'll be releasing new games that you can connect, and um, you can connect your socials, you can connect your Twitch and your Mixer now. So if you're streaming on one of those services, people can go to your eFuse portfolio and actually see you streaming um, from your eFuse portfolio. So um, it's a really cool place where you can meet a bunch of like-minded people. We've already had uh, people make connections and found the platform super valuable, so... Um, yeah, really excited to just be part of the industry. Definitely. No, I, I'm enjoying it so far. And, and like you're saying, I know other people are, you, you see it really just blowing up. I, I stay active on Twitter and LinkedIn and it's every day, you know, either new people getting on, or I think you guys have had great support from people, just great reaction, honestly, from people in the industry that just seem to genuinely love it. Um, but I, I got to say, I wanted to break down real quick. Two of the things that I love is that you can, for example, like I could link my Fortnite Fortnite stats and it just pops up on my portfolio. Um, And I also love the Twitch integration where it has your Twitch stream right there so that when, if you are a streamer or a content creator, it's awesome that someone can come to your portfolio and your Twitch is linked right there and they could, you know, hop in your stream and it's just a new way to get discovered. Yeah, absolutely. And we're finding brands thing that is really useful too. So if, if you're a creator and you're looking at getting brand deals or sponsorships and things like that, your eFuse portfolio is a great place to highlight all of those clips and things. So you can actually connect your YouTube um, and, and, and connect those clips that show you showcasing your, your, your talents, your interaction with your audience. Uh, things like that. So it's it's really cool. We've had people kind of compare it to a mix of Twitter and LinkedIn, which I think is is really the sweet spot that we're looking for, right? Because a ton of the gaming community is on Twitter and a lot of the professional community is on LinkedIn. And if we can bring those two groups of people together, I mean, I, I think that there's all, all sorts of ability to create opportunity that just wasn't there before. 
Right. No, that's a great point because I've I've been active on LinkedIn for the last seven, eight months, specifically in the gaming and esports space. And, and you're right. You have a lot of the professionals there and then you have the content creators and, and a lot of the pro players on Twitter. And it seemed like it wasn't going to mix on LinkedIn. And then you guys come out with eFuse and you're just ready starting to begin to see that collaboration of everybody. And it's just really unique and special. Exactly. Um, and so I want to talk to you about this because I thought this was also super innovative and, and smart of you guys. Your marketing strategy at the beginning a lot seemed like influential marketing. And, you know, I, I had, you know, what comes to mind is Keemstar. You guys have had NFL player Braxton Miller. Um, you know, w why did you guys believe that was the right marketing strategy when you guys were rolling this out? Yeah, so I guess, you know, first, um, no, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I appreciate those words, but from the beginning, this was not a platform that we wanted to throw at people and tell them to use it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, we wanted to integrate with the community on as organic a level as we possibly could. Uh, so myself, I play games. Um, I'm big now back into games. I can kind of use, uh, e-fuse as an excuse for spending <laughs> a ton of time, right. On, uh, on, right. on games, which is super cool and fun, but Definitely. Um, having come from that community, I know that it's, it's just like, you're not going to get through to people. You're not even going to be able to communicate value if you're trying to force something into their life and into their routine. So rather than doing that, we wanted to partner with the leadership of this community, specifically Keemstar and a lot of these other influencers who are now giving out scholarships on our platform. We wanted to partner with them and, and in doing so partner with their communities and say, Hey, look, this is what we have to offer you. It's it's your choice. You don't have to use this, but we think that there's a lot of value here. And if you agree, you know, we'd love to have you sign up for an account. And by the way, it's totally free. Right, right. No, I, I love it. Uh, and that's why I wanted to speak on it. It's just because I thought it was really smart of you guys. I thought it was a genuine way to bring up a new platform because like you're saying, it can be tough. You don't want to throw anything in anyone's face or or feel like someone's forced to to go on there. Um, and it was just really unique and, and interesting. So I, I, you know, kudos to you guys for, for doing Thanks, it that man. way. Yeah. Appreciate that. Um, and let's talk about that. So, so you mentioned that a lot of these influential people are rolling out scholarships and you guys announced at the beginning of the year, hashtag for the gamers. So I definitely want to talk about this. And if you just want to kind of, uh, headline, go over it, what it is for anyone that might not know. Um, I think it's really cool. So for the gamers is a 52-week scholarship campaign that eFuse is is leading, and what that means every week this year of 2020, we're giving out a scholarship, um, and we're doing that through partnering with these influencers. So Laserbeam was the last one that we just announced uh, announced his scholarship, and uh, we actually gave out a scholarship ourselves to one of our BetaQ members. Uh, but yeah, it's just a great way. I think part of it too is building awareness of the opportunity specifically at the collegiate level of esports, right? I mean, there's somewhere, somewhere around 80 colleges in the United States that offer varsity esports programs that have at least partial scholarships. And there are more that have full rides like Ohio State, West Virginia University. You can get full rides to those colleges for playing on their varsity teams. And so we wanted to, you know, help bring attention to that, but also, you know, give back to the community as well. Definitely. And is that, obviously it's not your main focus on the platform, but is that one of the things you guys are trying to help in the area of esports? where, you know, if you do look at the foundation right now, the traditional, you know, quote unquote pipeline, if, if you compare it to traditional sports where you can go high school, college, pro, it's not exactly the same in esports. Is that, 
Are you guys hoping that Ethuse helps support that so that younger individuals can get noticed earlier on and maybe have a more traditional path? Yeah, no doubt. Right. And part of it, too, is about giving those kids an opportunity who wouldn't otherwise, you know, give them access to some of this equipment that they wouldn't be able to buy on their own. Um, you know, we don't set the, the requirements for all the scholarships. Our influencers do that in parts. But w- one of the things that we can do is, is bring in like a financial need requirement. And we've seen some of our influencers do, influencers do that already saying like, hey, I want to give this money to someone who would not otherwise have it. And I want them to be able to use it on what they need for, you know, to create better content, to get access to better games, better, um, more enjoyable content, things like that. Right, right. No, and, um, and go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, but in terms of the no, no, but in terms of the pipeline, that's something that we're not necessarily looking to change, um, just because of the way that esports um, are, and because you can reach such a high skill level at such a young age uh, in gaming. I don't think that we're gonna see. Uh, I don't think we're gonna see something traditional like an NFL or NBA pipeline develop. I think you're gonna see people from all different walks of life coming into into competitive esports and and it'll just change based on the game right i mean you have some counter-strike players playing well into their 30s at a professional level um i don't know that anyone could imagine that for a call of duty player right i mean it's it's it varies a lot and so we recognize that that's out of our hands but if we can just bring awareness to the opportunity that's what matters most right no absolutely and so you guys have that for, for so basically it's rolling out for the rest of the year, right? You guys have a scholarship each week. Yep. Yep. That's awesome. So if, if you're listening and, and you're someone that could use a scholarship or it could be beneficial to you, definitely guys go check that out and apply for those scholarships. Um, well, and I will th- say that these scholarships are not being taken advantage. Like we're not getting as many applicants to our scholarships as some other sources of scholarships do. Um, so, so right now you stand a pretty good chance if you relative to other scholarships, potentially you stand a pretty good chance of, of getting, uh, getting access to it. So just want to plug that too. <laughs> there you go. Get on, <laughs> get on it early while you can now. And, and yeah. Now hurry up. Hurry up. Definitely. And so Tom, I wanted to talk with you obviously about your position. You're the director of operations there. You know, what what responsibilities do you carry with your role or what does your day to day look like? Yeah, man. So so my nickname around the office is uh, ABT, All Business Tom. Uh, So I I, that's kind of a joke, but I deal mostly with some of the stuff that people might call, quote unquote, boring. So I deal with accounting, legal, some of the finance um, so I'm kind of, I, I take the lead on all those things in the back office, but I'm also involved in some of the marketing efforts. We just rolled out a paid ad campaign. I've been helping to lead that. Um, and then I have input on some, uh, strategic initiatives and, and business partnerships as well. So I'm fortunate in that I can kind of float and do a lot of different things. And honestly, it's the, it's exactly the type of role I was looking for out of the MBA program, somewhere where I could go in and just get my feet wet in a bunch of different disciplines and, um, I've been, I've been blessed that it's worked out so far that way. Yeah, no, that sounds exciting. It, it seems like every day could be different for you and, and it really can't stay mundane is, or boring yeah. or anything like that. It's totally different day to day, but I, I like that. Um, Definitely. yeah, it's, it's never just like hours and hours of manual spreadsheet entry. It's always, it's always something different. Yeah, no, I, I'll relate with you that I, I've, I've always grown up. I was like, man, when I get a job, I don't want something that's the same every day. I know some people like that and they like that comfort. 
but I just get yeah, excited no with every day, you know, there being something new. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, I enjoy that. And this industry definitely lends itself well to that because it, it does change so quickly. You're always seeing something new come up. Definitely, definitely. And so then for EFUSE, you know, is what's next is, and I know you probably can't speak on a lot of things, but um, is there anything else we didn't highlight or, or that's coming up that you can talk about or anything anyone should be on the lookout for? Uh, I can talk about some of the things we released recently. So Messenger, I already mentioned, uh, we offer now organizations. So you can go in and um, if you request to be able to create an organization, we can get you permission to do that and then we'll publish it. There's a bit of a process right now for it. Um, down the road, that's going to get easier. But um, organizations is new. That's under our Discover tab. So uh, companies, schools, teams can go and create uh, a lot like what you know you might call a Facebook page and add all your members. Um, and then we've got a really sleek way of displaying that and the membership and and linking all those memberships to the eFuse portfolios. So um, that's really cool. If you haven't seen that, please check that out. Um, and then yeah, like I said, we're adding more games to the portfolio and. Got some other stuff coming down, like you said, that I can't talk about, but uh, <laughs> super excited for what's going to be happening the rest of the year. Yeah, no, and, and I'll definitely say getting on the platform now and I think seeing it develop over this year and the coming years is is going to be exciting. And I think it gives people, you know, if you're there early, you definitely have an advantage on platforms. So absolutely. And, and we see that time and time again, you know, the first people to TikTok, the first people to be posting like crazy on LinkedIn. Um, you know, those are the people that end up building those huge followings and just because they're first, um, all their stuff gets seen. And, uh, I think we've got that advantage right now and, you know, get on while you can. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see it. Well, let's pivot a little bit, um, away from eFuse and let's talk about the call of duty league. Let's uh, do it. Yeah, I know we're both excited about this. I think you more so because you sound like you're a big Call of Duty guy. So I'm excited to chat with you about it. And, you know, I thought I'd just bring up when did you and I, I think you might have brought this up at the beginning of the podcast. But when did you first get into Call of Duty or, or kind of have a passion for it? So I got into Call of Duty with Call of Duty World War Two. So not the most recent one, but the one that came out originally on the Xbox 360. Um, and so I got into that with a buddy of mine and dude, I just made the Thompson like crazy. Uh, <laughs> that was that, that game, it was a one hit headshot. So if you were, if you were, uh, if you were precise with that weapon, man, you could just spray like crazy. And, uh, it was, it, it was a blast. So I got in with call of duty two, Um, and then moved on to modern warfare, which uh, call of duty Four: modern warfare. And that's really where I started taking off from a skill level standpoint spent oh my gosh sunk so many days in that game i remember <laughs> it was probably like 50 some days that i played uh i'd come home from school and I, I literally wouldn't do homework i would just get on that and play for six hours until bed with a buddy of mine um nice. so probably too much time uh definitely neglected some of my <laughs> academic responsibilities but you know we all learn our lessons and and improve because of it but uh so so went on to that modern warfare two um and then black ops a little bit and then i went into college and unfortunately dropped off because i heard black ops 2 was probably one of the best cods ever so i'm a little bit salty that i missed that um but yeah i've been loving the new one it's it's a little funny i don't want to contribute too much to the controversy that is competitive cod right now because there's a lot of people with certain opinions i like it from a pubs game so like if you're just going to the public matches it's fun 
I'd love to them for them to develop like a competitive playlist online. I think it got, I think it has a lot of potential, um, but it's a beautiful game, man. I, I love the customization and I love the ability to be competitive with the gunfight specifically. That's so fun. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with COD right now. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting because, you know, I've had some other guests on the podcast that are, are, are in their 20s. And it seems like everyone at the, had some point in college where there was just like, obviously, because, you know, there's a social life, there's studying where video games just dropped off for a second or didn't spend as much time as compared to high school and earlier. And then it just ramped right back up after college. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, part of that, too, was I had no real like consistent competitive outlet through COD. Um, which kind of like, I wish they had more of those competitive playlists. Cause you know, that was like call of duty black ops four is big for me. Cause I would just, I just roll into competitive all the time. And so I was able to actually feel like I was improving. Right. Um, even though I didn't have a consistent team to play with. Um, but yeah, maybe I would have stuck with it in college if it had something like that. Um, but yeah, there, I mean, there's all sorts of other things going on in life at that stage. So definitely. You know. Yeah, definitely. Well, I just want, I thought that would be fun to chat about, um, just kind of hear where you're coming from, and, and that way anyone listening kind of has a little bit more context about you. But let's jump into the league. So if anyone's listening and you don't have too much detail about the College of the League, just a quick overview. So it's 12 pro teams, uh, four different countries, and the opening weekend is actually this weekend in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So by the time this episode comes out next week, it'll have been this past weekend. But... um. You know, Tom, what first off, what are you looking forward to? I know you're going and so you're super excited to be there. What are you looking forward to most this weekend? Yeah, so I'm I'm a huge Minnesota sports fan, so I'm a huge Vikings guy. Um, <laughs> the the most cursed team in the league, I'll say. Um, others might dispute <laughs> that, but um, so I'm just excited to be in Minneapolis. Uh, I'm psyched to see the the US Bank Stadium and then of course, I got to be a rocker fan, so I'm going to go up there, purchase some rocker gear because they stopped selling it online ahead of the Call of Duty League. So they're going to I guess they're going to have a bunch of pop up stores and stuff. So I'll grab one of those uh, jerseys or, or sweatshirts and, and go to their games. Um, so psyched about that. Excited to see that. And I've never been to like a big premier esports event. I was telling you one before the podcast. Like, yeah. Like, I've only been to these land cafe things. So I'm stoked to see what these guys put on. Uh, the show these guys put on at this high level, um, not just the gameplay, but also the the entertainment value of the venue. Uh, I think uh, I think it's the Armory is where they're putting it on. And yeah. I've seen some pictures. It looks great. Um, I've seen a lot of the graphics, a lot of the content they put out surrounding it, and it looks top notch. So I'm excited to see what they pull off the day of. Yeah, well, I, I think you couldn't have picked a better esports event to attend than this one. I mean, this is opening weekend of this, so I, I can't imagine. I feel like it's going to be really electric there, and, and everyone's going to be really pumped to be there. So I feel like you'll definitely have a good experience. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm stoked. I uh, So uh, for the people who don't know who are listening, MLG used to actually do all the productions for uh, the Call of Duty League, the Call of Duty World League, as it was called until this year. Um, and MLG was based here in Columbus, Ohio, where I'm from. And so I guess they had like the last massive one last year with 16 teams. And I it just slipped my radar, just completely missed it. And I've heard routinely that it was like the best, the best esports event that people had ever been to. So, um, but I'm hoping that this will rival that. So, 
Yeah, yeah, no, I think this will be super exciting. Do you have any early winter predictions for this weekend? Oh, gosh, man, no. <laughs> I, I have no idea, honestly. Like, I'm just kind of starting to follow professional COD. Um, okay. So so I know these guys, like, Scump, Formal, I think his name's Crimzix. He's with, um, shoot, who's he with? He's with that Dallas team. He's with Dallas, right, yeah. Yeah, 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 he's with Dallas. Um, so I know the Huntsman, so with Scump and Formal and their, the rest of their teammates, I know that they're favored to win it uh, just because they've been so successful in the past. Um you know, they've won a bunch of tournaments together, not together, but like cumulatively, all the members of that team have won so many tournaments. So, I mean, I guess just because it's kind of popular opinion, I'd have to say Huntsman, but I honestly, I don't know. Um, yeah. And I think, I think the way that this weekend is working, it's not a tournament. So each team plays two matches and it contributes, oh, right. it contributes to their season record. So it's not like who wins the weekend necessarily. Um, right. So, like, I know the, that Rocker, the Minnesota Rocker, have two matches, and I'm sure it's the same way for everyone else. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm sure Huntsman will do really well. But, you know, who knows? It's it's all about team comp. And, you know, if the teams can work well together, then you might see some people who you've never heard of come out on top. Yeah, yeah. No, well, first off, thank you for correcting me because I am also new to, to following it, and I definitely got that wrong. So Oh, thank you're you for, good. <laughs> thank yeah, you for correcting no that. Um, but, no, it, it'll be super interesting. I'm hoping – I got to figure out. I haven't looked where – I'm sure it's streaming online. I don't know if it's going to be through Twitch or, or where they're streaming it, but I, I plan on catching some of it this weekend because I want to see it if they are streaming it. Yeah, do you um, have a team? I, I guess the Florida team – the, okay. So it's the it's the mutineers or I always pronounce their name wrong. Yeah, mutineers. Yeah. Yeah. So I was actually looking at the apparel earlier today, and I, I thought about getting some of the Florida stuff just because they're you know I'm here in nice. Tampa, so we might as well rep the home state, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, that's why I went with Rockers because I'm already a fan of Minnesota sports. So yeah, you know, just it was natural. Definitely, definitely. Um, well, what did you think? And, and we'll go a little bit overview here of, of the league. What did you think? Or I guess, what was your opinion with the teams franchising? You know, I know we saw a lot of reports where teams reportedly played like over $25 million or, or $25 million for a slot. Um, you know, Overwatch has now, they both kind of mirror each other. The leagues are similar with how they're franchised. Do you think like, do you like this or kind of what are your thoughts on it? Um, I think it's hard to make a judgment right now just because, you know, the season hasn't even technically started. So we don't know what the viewership numbers are like. We don't know what the merchandise in the ticket sales look like. Yeah. Um, but obviously $25 million is a pretty high barrier to entry for this uh, for this organization in this league. So I think what Activision and Blizzard was really trying to do was, you know, make sure that the people involved were incredibly serious and were in it for the long haul, right? Which is... Um, something that esports has lacked for a long time are teams that are consistent and always a part of the leagues. Um, you do have kind of like the top three, top five, especially in League of Legends, Counter-Strike, that are always going to be part of that rotation. But then you have other people who are in at the lower ends who are kind of in and out based on whether or not um, they get relegated. Um, and, and forgive me, listeners, like if I'm jacked up in the way that I'm talking about relegation. I know that there's been a lot of changes over the past couple of years about relegation in both um, League and CSGO, especially with League now being franchised. Um, franchising does prevent relegation, which is really nice because you get a consistent fan base always involved in the matches themselves. And so um, that consistency drives merch, drives engagement online. 
uh, drives ticket sales. So I think it has a lot of potential. Um, not having been in the industry, I completely empathize with where Nade shot specifically was coming from about how he hated this new franchise thing, Mm -hmm. um, specifically because it kept a hundred thieves and other organizations out. Um, so I get that, but at the end of the day, you know, if you're part of these leagues, if you're playing these games competitively and at a professional level, you're hitching your cart to the publisher horse, you know, um, you're you're doing whatever that publisher wants because they own the game um so it's it's tough to say you know whether or not it's going to end up being successful i think it's got a lot of potential though yeah no i I definitely agree with all that um i also loved the the minimum salaries for players and other health benefits and things like that i thought that was awesome for the player side so no i definitely agree with you i think we can speculate right now but until the season goes full wholly and and we kind of see how sales drive and you know how the fans enjoy it the players enjoy it it'll be interesting to watch this year um definitely will be a lot of fun what do you think of and, and again a lot of this i think a lot of this conversation for the next few minutes is just kind of speculating getting our initial thoughts and i don't know tom maybe we can do like another episode at the end of the call of duty season and we can like recap uh with what we originally talked about yeah that'd but, be awesome um what do you think of the homestands like do you like that do you think it's it's cool that each city gets their you know quote unquote homestand or maybe a little bit of of home advantage and and visiting to different cities you know what do you think of all that so there's two schools of thought here from what I understand. There's definitely a negative that teams have to travel all the time and throughout the whole season. That makes things tough. But mm-hmm. I will say that's not a whole lot different from traditional sports. Um, right. And I think that there's a lot of power that comes with geographics uh, centrality for these teams, right? I mean, you created a fan out of me just because I follow Minnesota sports. I am now a rocker fan. If if they hadn't if, if there hadn't been a team in Minnesota, it would have been anyone's guess, you know, what team I would have picked and why would I have picked them, right? Like I don't have a bunch of connection to these these players. And so I right. think when you when you have these homestands, when you have these teams geographically located, you give people another reason to be a fan of a team. I don't think that just because someone was a fan of you know, let's say Atlanta phase, right? Mm-hmm. Just because someone is a fan it doesn't live in Atlanta they're not going to stop being a fan of Faze right right so they're not going to stop following that team now just because they're located geographically somewhere else they're they're only going to get more fans because they're located um geographically in my opinion now the data might the data might end up showing that that's not the case and I'll I'll you know I'll bow to the data right I right. mean the data tells the story to an extent um but I, I think it's good. I, I think it's definitely something that needs to be tested, and we need to find out if it's a good thing. And I think, you know, with Overwatch doing it now, with Call of Duty doing it, um, yeah, we'll find out. Yeah, no, it'd be interesting we'll to see find if out. this— we just... Go ahead. Sorry. No, um, we just got to hope that the teams have the infrastructure to support it. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I think you're you're on the money with— it allowing people of that state or that city to connect. Cause I mean, again, like we were just saying, I probably wouldn't specifically follow one team if they weren't, you know, if they didn't have a pro team based in Florida, but because they do now, I'm probably going to be inclined to follow them and buy their merch and maybe feel that connection. Whereas if they were just kind of, you know, teams spread out wherever. So. Yeah. We're like all located in LA and they just had different names associated with their organizations that had no, you know, geographic kind of orientation. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
And I got one last one last question for you on the league as far as and you know, this is again, we're just speculating high level, um, having fun with it. But what do you think about teams possibly? Do you think we'll reach a point to where they have, you know, their own individual arena similar to traditional sports? Like you and I were saying, obviously this weekend is um being held at the armory. So for context, that's got about an eighty four hundred max capacity seat. And I think it's just an event venue, so they're hosting it there. Um, but what do you think? Do you think we'll, we'll stay for the next few years and, and just event venues? Do you think people have their own or, or what are your thoughts? I think it'll be in event venues for the, the next year or so, but man, I really hope that we get to a point where everyone's got their own arena. It serves as dual purpose and, and it's kind of a community center of sorts where people can come and play and set up their own events while, while the team's not there. Um, Cavs Legion actually. So Cavs Legion is an NBA 2K team. They just opened a really cool facility up in Cleveland called the Lair. And while they practice there as a team, like, you know, it's totally open to the community to schedule their own events. And I went up there a couple weeks ago and it's, it's great. I mean, it's so cool that they're using that facility, um, as kind of dual purpose for both their team and the community, but it all comes down to dollar per fan. Right. Um, and if those teams can, um, you know, make enough money to, to support something like that. Um, I think too, from a state perspective, a lot of these huge stadiums in the NBA and NFL specifically MLB too, uh, they're sponsored by the state. They get tax breaks. They get, um, Mm -hmm. um, they actually get funded in part by the States in which they're in. So, you know, are we ever going to get there with esports? I think so. I don't know how long that's going to take though. Right. Right. Yeah. I, th- I think that's the question. And, and we'll obviously find out in years to come. But no, to, to go to the Cavs layer, we actually had Tim and Salimo uh, a couple of months ago on the podcast, who's a player for Cavs Legion GC. And I asked oh, him about nice. that. And he said from the player side that that he loved that obviously they got to practice it and to have somewhere where they as a team could be and to just have their own facility. I mean, we, I got a lot of positive feedback from him. So, I mean, I can imagine that. And, and any of these other esports, that's got to be something, a good feeling if you're a player of the organization. Yeah, right. And it's another way, I guess, to fund the facility as well. A lot of these stadiums, NFL, MLB, NBA, they sit empty a bunch of the time. They, they have some concerts in there. But during the week, like there's not a ton of stuff going on in all of these stadiums. So if you can if you can use, um, you know, community involvement as a way to make some money on your, you know, on your facility, why not? Yeah. Definitely. Um, and then to, to shift a little bit more again to, to the league. So I know you and I were just chatting about this a little bit before we, we went live here on the podcast. But so you have the Call of Duty League and you have the the professional level that that's obviously rolling out this weekend. And then with that, they actually rolled out two other parts of the league that's called Call of Duty Challengers and then Call of Duty City Circuit. And so for, for context, for anyone's listening that may not know, um, it's at the Call of Duty Challenger level, it's basically for amateur players, and they can actually play on the same weekend. So in Minnesota this weekend, you'll have the pro pro games going on, and then you'll have the amateur level. Um, Tom, I thought this was really smart by the league, again, to bring that fan connection and fan interaction into where maybe you're not a pro playing, but you can be a casual player for the city circuit, or you can be an amateur for the Challengers. I don't know. I thought it was really creative. I kind of want to get what, what your initial thoughts mm-hmm. are. 
Yeah, it's amazing. I think, you know, Activision is doing it the right way. They're really trying to focus on, on how to develop an amateur pipeline. Um, and cause, cause that's how you sustain a professional sport is you develop a pipeline that's known, that's consistent, that people can develop themselves in from a skill standpoint, and then they can go on and, and with relative certainty, if they hit a certain skill level, become a pro in the game. And so I think challengers is a great way to do that, uh, and just surface new talent. Definitely. That, that was actually the question I was going to ask is, do, do you think this will help create a pipeline for players to the pros? Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole purpose of it. You know, I, I don't know how much money Activision, Activision and Blizzard are actually going to end up making on the challengers thing. They might break even, they might lose some money even, but if it does end up becoming that pipeline for them, then they've won. Um, yeah, yeah. That's my opinion on it. Yeah, no, and I mean, you see this in Fortnite with the the tournaments they hold on the weekends. You know, I've seen a lot of players get picked up from teams because they consistently play place well in the cash cups, or maybe they placed well in the you know winter finals. So I love that that aspect. I think it gives anybody a chance to make it to the pros. Yeah, and that's the coolest thing about esports is that it's very democratized in the sense that you can play from anywhere. And I know Challengers does an online league too. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know exactly how it works, you know, being able to play at the actual tournaments versus online, you know, how the qualifier exactly is. Um, but it gives anyone anywhere with an internet connection and a PC or Xbox, PS4, you know, the ability to compete, which is, is really cool. Definitely. Well, well, anything else from the Call of Duty League? Do you got any other thoughts or anything that you're excited for that, that we didn't mention or bring up? No, not really. Um, okay. I just think it's cool that it's getting so much attention on a national level. Uh, it's it's finally, you know, I think that it's breaking into the mainstream news, and I'm excited to see uh, just, you know, what the what the popular reception is to it. Yeah, same. I, I am as well. I think it's going to be really cool to, to watch play out. Well, I want to talk to you about this. I know this is a conversation you and I actually had about a month ago when we were planning to, to put the podcast together is, you know, in traditional sports, we see a lot of times where you'll have um, influential pro players, maybe they're popular pro athletes, and, you know, you'll see ESPN create mini movies on them. You'll see um, other news outlets create mini movies, and it's really just an opportunity for the fans to connect closer with the players more on a personal level, you know, putting the sport aside. And you and I kind of seem to both have a mutual interest in seeing this happen in esports. And, you know, I'll hand it over to you. I know you saw that the Chicago Huntsman started to maybe do something along this track. Um, so, yeah, I'll let you share that, and then we can kind of conversate about it. Yeah, so the Call of Duty League started making these videos. I think it, the series is called The Campaign, and it's surrounded around the Chicago Huntsman, and it focuses on their team, so the players, the teammates, the management, the coaches, and you know, dives into their personal stories about why they play Call of Duty, what their history was, what their relationships are like within the team, and I just think that it creates this narrative that's more compelling for people to watch. I mean, in the past, esports players have been some of the most camera shy people, which I get, you know, like you don't get into gaming and expect to become this like public image and to have to develop, you know, a face that you show the camera. But this is what it's turning into. If you want esports to succeed, you need to learn how to tell your story and other people's stories in a way that's compelling to a general audience. So one of the biggest things that I think that you know, we could we could do better in is is highlighting the struggles of, you know, competition of practice. And because and that might sound silly, right? You're sitting there with a controller in your hand or mouse and keyboard and you're looking at a screen. Mm -hmm. um, 
but that is what I find is some of the most compelling content for NFL NBA. You see like you see where the sport has taken people in their lives, you know, in a lot of cases lifted them out of poverty and yeah. given them and their family lives that, you know, they just could never have dreamed of otherwise. And and those are the moments that win fans. It's the struggle that those people went through that people can relate to in a way that you know, they can't relate to a character on the screen. And because you're not actually watching the physical person as much in esports, I think there needs to be even more curation of the content surrounding their personal stories than we've seen in the NFL and NBA. But I'm excited to see what the Call of Duty League's done. I'm excited to see if the Huntsman really bought into that vision. And because uh, it's great, it's, an, it's very well produced. And I'm excited to see other teams do the same. Yeah, no, I mean, you nailed it. I think I think that was a great overview. And you have a solid point, you know, in when we're watching an NBA or NFL game, we're seeing that that athlete on screen and then, and then on the on the you know, on the field or on the court and then we're seeing them off screen and it's their face where you may not get that as much. Obviously, you know, a lot of times I you know for the Fortnite World Cup you'll have the face cam and then you know the in-game action, but it's a little bit different. And I think you're right. I think adding something like this would allow us as fans to to connect more with the individuals. Um, you actually Fortnite during the Fortnite World Cup last year, they did a few promos leading up to the cup where they did little four to five minute stories on some of the players. And it was, you know, their background story or how they got into gaming and where it had led them. And it just really allows you to connect with them on another level that I think makes the overall experience just, you know, so much better. That's really cool. I haven't seen those. I'll have to check them out. They're probably yeah. on YouTube somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah, look them up later. They did one on, there was a player, I forget who, out of California, and it was like him and his grandfather, and you know how his grandfather was a pro MLB player, and then his, the the grandchild who's playing in the World Cup saw him growing up, and then the roles reversed, and now the grandfather was watching the kid go to get play in the World Fortnite World Cup, and it was just really interesting how, how they That's put it crazy. Together. That's yeah. really cool. So, and to be honest, my, my wife and I were there and I did not know this player prior to the Fortnite World Cup. And he was a favorite of ours going into the weekend because we saw the mini movie and we thought it was, you know, cool interaction in a story. So he became a favorite of ours. So, yeah. And it's a certain amount of vulnerability, right? Like you're willing to share your story with the fans. You're giving them a reason to buy in is because you're, you're doing this thing where you're like, you're showing people parts of your life that they would have no idea existed otherwise. And People really connect with that level of vulnerability. Definitely. And, and I think the last thing, I think it's also interesting, especially from the streamer side, to see them on a different platform, right? I think when you see, mm -hmm. you know, an influential figure being interviewed somewhere else, like when you see an ESPN special, it's different than seeing them on their socials. And, um, you know, I, th I think that's important too. Yeah, because the socials are all curated, right? I mean, they've got, in a lot of cases, they have a character to uphold. Um, right. which, which is not bad. I mean, that's the entertainment they're providing. That's what people pay for. That's what people go to watch. Um, but it's not always them, you know, like it's not who they actually are necessarily. Right, right. No, definitely. It, it'll be interesting. And, and we'll see. I'm gonna have to look up. I had told you I hadn't seen the Call of Duty ones yet. So I'm gonna have to look those up later. But sweet. Well, We'll start to wind things down here, Tom. Uh, typically, what we do at the end is called the Lodges Light 7. And so it's just seven uh, fun questions, I guess you could say, for everyone to get to know you a little bit better. Cool. So the first question I have for you is, what would you say is your favorite place that you've traveled to? 
Oh my gosh. Um, this is going to be like really boring. <laughs> I've, I've only been as far as Canada. Uh, well, Hawaii is probably the furthest I've been, but still in the United States. Um, I'd say Zion national park. Uh, okay. Out in, I think it's Utah. Um, just beautiful. I mean, there's so many cool places to go in the United States. I feel like there's this big trend to go to Europe and, and exotic, quote unquote, exotic places, but there's so much diversity in the United States and Zion's one of those places that you step in there and you're like, wow, like this feels different. Yeah. No, you're, everyone wants to go international. Nobody, there's nobody, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, um, what would you say was your favorite childhood TV show? Oh, oh man. I don't, I don't remember if I woke up earlier for Pokemon or Digimon. Um, <laughs> one of those two. It was, it was on so early during the, the work week that I'd get up at like 5.30 and watch it on Cartoon Network or something. But I, I was a big fan of those. Uh, Gundam, Dragon Ball Z, like a bunch of those animated shows. Nice, nice. Um, what profession other than your own would you like to try? And let's just assume that you would be the best at it. Politics. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I've always, president? Yeah. It's always been a thought of mine. That's super interesting. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Um, fourth question is what is your favorite cereal? Ooh. Um, oh, it's, uh, I can't remember who puts it out, but it's, uh, it's like graham crackers and marshmallows. It's like a s'mores cereal. Oh yeah. Um, it's by the people who make graham crackers. It's like Honeywell or something. They do um uh yeah, it's a s'more cereal. It's so good. Yeah, yeah, okay, nice. Um what would you say is your biggest pet peeve? If I'm working and someone is tapping on their desk or tapping with their foot, I can't stand it. Like that that is the worst. Nice. Okay. Mine's mine's if, if if you're like eating in a public space and someone's smacking, that's kind of oh. my equivalent. It drives me crazy. Yeah, that'll do it too. <laughs> uh, two more questions. Who would you say? This is kind of the deeper one of the set. Who would you say is the most influential person in your life so far? Oh, my dad. Um, by far. Um. Yeah, my dad. That's awesome. Sure. That's awesome. And then last one, kind of a fun one to end on, is what would you say is your favorite video game of all time? Okay, so this, we're going to have to break this into genres, right? So like okay. that's like asking what my favorite type of music is. I could give you a country. <laughs> I could give you, I could give you, a, I could give you a hip hop song. Um, all right, so MMO, um, I'm going to go, I guess it's not MMO because it's not online, but RPG would have to be Sky or Oblivion. Um, and then first person shooter, rainbow six Vegas two. And I got to throw in Zelda Ocarina of time. Cause that was the first game I beat all by myself. Um, and that, yeah, just so fun at the time that I played that. So nice, nice. Solid picks. Well, that wraps up the, the largest light seven. Um, it seems to always get people pressured. I don't know why I've never been on the other side of this. <laughs> so maybe, maybe I need to get on the other side of this so I can see how people feel. But no, I didn't feel pressured at all, man. That's awesome. Um, well, Tom, this was fun. I, I had a lot of, a lot of fun, you know, hosting you and it was a good to have you on and, and hear a bit about yeah, you and chat about all this. Yeah. I appreciate it. This was a good time. Yeah. Um, well, where can everybody find you on social media? Uh, yeah. So you can find me Tom Newton on LinkedIn, Tom on, uh, Tom Newton on Facebook. 
Uh, not a big Instagram guy. And then obviously Efuse, uh, Tom there as well. Uh, Tom Newton there as well. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my social handles. Perfect. Yeah. If you guys have not created an Efuse, now you guys got to go make one. So yeah. Yeah. If you want to connect with me, get on Efuse. <laughs> there you go. Well, Tom, thanks again, man. Yeah, Juan. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And for everyone listening, thank you guys again for tuning in. Again, if you're a new listener, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And we'll catch you next week for another one of the Lodges podcast. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating if you've enjoyed this. You can find out more about Lodges by searching on Instagram at Lodges underscore financial, on Twitter at Lodges, on eFuse at Lodges, and on LinkedIn by searching for my name, Juan Rodriguez, J-U-A-N. Following on socials is the best way to be kept up to date with podcast updates and information. Thanks, and you were just listening to The Lodges Podcast.